Mrs. Football, Deshaun Watson, has the worst contract in football history. Channing Crowder has an interview with us a little bit later. I really want to get to it quickly. I'm like a substitute teacher wheeling out the cart with the TV on it. I just want to get to the main event here. His insight, stories, anecdotes are unbelievable. I learned a lot about football from this interview. I also laughed a lot about a lot of different things, not what, just go, not what is just going on in the NFL right now, but what has gone on in the NFL, football in general. Like, I'm blown away. It was not only the highlight of this episode, it's like the highlight of my life, okay? To Channing Crowder in a minute. Very quickly, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns and the Deshaun Watson contract mess. $46 million in 2026 will be paid out to Deshaun Watson. There'll be a cap hit that year. Again, 2026. Do you have any idea what you'll be doing in 2026? The Browns do. They'll be paying Deshaun Watson $46 million. The cap hit and the dead cap is almost unmanageable until then. The Russell Wilson contract, which is neck and neck for one of the worst financial commitments of the last couple of years in the NFL, is practically, when you consider when they can get out, a year shorter in Denver and for less money. If you want to expand this to all of sports, like Steven Strasburg just signed a huge deal, never really pitched on it, and looks retired now. Fine. But at least you're paying for past performance. Strasburg helped them win a World Series in Washington. Deshaun Watson has never helped the Browns. And by the way, he never will. You saw it on Monday night. The stats, even, even with, with the weather in week one, it's brutal. Uh, via ESPN's Jake Trotter. 27.6 of Deshaun Watson's throws have been off target, which is the most by an astounding amount. Nobody's at 24%, 25%. Nobody's at 26%. Then it's Watson. Jordan Love is 31st. Dak Prescott, by the way, is at 8%. That's the best in the league. He has been sacked more times over the past two years than Patrick Mahomes, who has played a hell of a lot more football than Deshaun Watson. Watson holds on to the ball, and then when he throws it, he throws it poorly. Um, this cannot be traced, even if there are offensive line struggles, to that. Uh, Watson, the, what they paid for when they got Watson was a guy who played against, or excuse me, who played with some of the worst players in football in Houston and still was able to thrive. Um, when Watson takes over 2.5 seconds to throw, his quarterback rating is 67, one of the worst marks in the league. Um, he is outside of the top 35 quarterbacks since the start of 2022 in a whole bunch of categories, pretty much all the categories that matter. My former colleague, Roger Sherman, had this little list earlier today. 33rd in passer rating below Davis Mills. 33rd in yards per attempt below Carson Wentz. That's the kind of quarterback we're dealing with. The problem, and there's a bunch of them for the Browns, is the Browns roster is good. And the Browns might compete despite Deshaun Watson. Even though they gave him a fully guaranteed deal, one of the biggest in history, changed the entire paradigm of how we uh, view quarterback pay in the NFL. They gave him that, and they're going to compete despite him. They might have to bench him at some point. In fact, if this continues, they probably should. It's a problem that is their own doing, and it's unlike anything we've ever seen in football. They made their bed, they have to lie in it, and they have made the worst decision I've ever seen in modern football. 
All right, let's get to Channing Crowder. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back. As a bonus bet, 21 and up only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Are you tired of uncomfortable, stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. Task Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture-wicking, and provides USPF 50-plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at taskperformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCperformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Channing Crowder, media mogul inside the NFL, the Pivot Podcast. He's still with WQAM. What's going on, man? Man, just hanging out, man, trying to find enough time in the day to, to to work and to still run around with my three kids. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, it's been a while. I want to start here. 
we I got a great question. I do a mailbag on Sunday. I got a great question from a listener asking who could be the NFL's Deion Sanders. And there it's not going to be one to one. It's not going to be Deion, by the way, because he said he's not going to do it. Like, is there a guy that the NFL would ever say, all right, let's just hire this guy with juice, with charisma. Players are going to want to come. Could it ever happen? And is there a guy out there who could transform an NFL team like that, Channing? Oh man, that you know what? That is a great question. I don't think so. Like it's so it's so money based in the NFL. It's so contract right. NFL where kids want to go. Somebody actually, I was uh my son asked me recently how many scholarship offers did I have coming out of high school? And I told him over a hundred. And he was like, Wow. And I was like, but some of them were SMU, Western Kentucky. <laughs> and the, but they try to get in early, those smaller schools try to get in early. But to get a relationship going with the kid and get a relationship with the parents. And so that's how that's how you can have some of the funny as we bring up Dion, how you get a Travis Hunter to go to Jackson State because of the right. fact that it was Dion there and he could do it. But the NFL, man, these young coaches like the it, it's the Kyle Shanahan tree. And I actually I'm starting to love. I came around on him, bro. I was an old school Dom Capers, you know, um, just uh, the Bill Belichick of football of the coaches this executive and the players go downstairs and now I'm starting to see the Mike McDaniels the Sean McVay's the different guys that young that younger coaching staff and I'm very I'm, I'm really cool with a lot of Dolphin players being in Miami and that younger tree would be what it is D'Amico Ryan in Houston where like I see how like, he talks to the players it's more it's not it's not your boss and you're the you know I'm your boss and you're my employee it's we're co-workers. So it would have to be that. But I honestly think like Dion having 86 new players being three and old, being ranked in his first year, th- one, one in 11 last year in Colorado. And now he's three and old right now. I don't, I don't think that could ever translate to the NFL because everybody's going to chase the check. And I used to chase the check. Like people get on me when I talk <laughs> about it on the podcast. Well, bro, I, I was a prize fighter. I knew how much money I was going to make every single game I played in. And I think a lot of guys are more along the line of a profession, more than a passion. And that's why I think college football, people that love college football, love college football more than the NFL, because no matter who's there for those four years, no matter what coach is there, I'm attached to my team. Where in the NFL, I really do believe guys are attached to checks. Uh, I was going to ask about that, the motivation part of it. Um, Where does that show up? Like when guys are, and I've talked to a bunch of players about this, a bunch of coaches about this. 90% 90% of the time, guys are thinking, how do I change my family's life on a, on a given season? And not necessarily, uh, you know, are we going to get to the divisional round of the conference championship game this year? Like, that, that is just how they think. That's how any employee thinks a lot of the times. Um, yes. Can you get take me inside that world on how you motivate an NFL player uh, differently than other levels of football because of that, Shannon? I, I think the guys that make it, it's you're motivated to win. Um People ask me all the time, do you miss the game? Do you miss playing? Do you miss – and the old cliche is I miss the locker room. I have yeah. friends, bro. If I want to hang out and talk football or talk women or talk partying, I'll call my friends I have. It was the thing I miss about football is that on any given play, a lineman's job is to block me. My coach tells me, don't let him block you. Go make the tackle. And his coach tells him – Block him and don't let him make the tackle. It's the competitiveness of it. It's the part I miss. It's that every single time um, Marshawn Lynch, uh, he's, he's a good friend of mine. Yep. 
and we would go out. We'd hang out. We, you know, we'd hang out in the offseason. When I went to Buffalo, he was with the Bills. We'd go out. We'd go to Toronto and go have dinner and go to, go to the Shake Spot on Saturday night. When he came to Miami, we'd go to Tootsie's together. We'd go eat some chicken wings. And when the game started, we would, we would give each other dap and say, hey, bro, I'm going to F you up today. And he'd be like, I'm going to F you up. And it was that com competitiveness that fueled me. If I'm in the slot, like, against a, a Reggie Bush, like, I knew I was the weak link. And I knew Drew Brees was looking at me like, he can't cover Reggie. So now I have to prove myself there. And that's the thing. So to answer your question, you know, I go out with, no, I'm a talker, so I go around the corner. Of course. Once you get to the NFL, if you don't want to compete, you're not going to compete. And that's why you see the guys that are great in college, great in high school that don't make it. It's that they don't have that that itch to want to win every second. Every game you're going to play between 60 and 80 plays. I need to win 50 of those 80. And I'll, and I, and I'll be, continue to be a starter. So once you get to that level of the NFL, it's all about wanting to win every single snap. And that's where the great players play. The, the Randy Mosses I've talked to it about, there's different players I've talked to about, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor's a great example of it, good friend of mine. He he honestly thought every time he touched the ball, he could score a touchdown. And that's what it is. Like, that's, that's the mentality you have to have, and that's the mind frame that when you see guys make it and see guys thrive, they want to win not the game. They want to win play four and then play five and then play 19 and then play 27. They want to win every single play. Give me your best out with Marshawn Lynch story. You mentioned Tootsie's. Let's, let's leave that aside. We'll, we'll do no, we'll have a no Tootsie zone, uh, uh, no Tootsie story zone here. Uh, but going out <laughs> with Marshawn Lynch is like what, Channing? Going out with Sean. It, it, Sean is the coolest guy in the world, man. We were in um, probably in Vegas. He is an international star. Like, people know me. Like, people talk to me at the airport. Marshawn Lynch is an international star. So just seeing from a, you know, 14-year-old white kid to walk up to him, to a 70-year-old Hispanic man, to a 94-year-old white woman, and they just love Sean. He is so endearing. He's so nice. He's so real. And it's kind of like, I would say, I've learned a lot from, from Sean because like, just be yourself. If you, like, and he has thrived being himself. He's never faltered from that kid from Oakland. And every single time we go anywhere together, and like I was saying, we were in, we were in Vegas recently together just hanging out, and I just see how he talks to everybody, how he interacts with everybody, how he will take every picture with anybody that walks up to him. And he's just a nice dude. And even even when he has his, his falters and he gets in trouble and, you know, you, you see the, the, the media pushback, he doesn't he really doesn't care. He's going to go he's going to go out the next day and just be Marshawn and I love it for him and I've grown I've grown through being out with Sean. I've grown through knowing Sean. Wow, that's very interesting. Let's go to the NFL right now. Um we'll start here. If you owned the Denver Broncos, you would do what about Russell Wilson right now? Ooh, I would keep Russ, but I would base my entire offseason and things around him about maximizing him. We saw what he did in Seattle. We saw what he had when he sure. had a great defense. We saw what he had when he can win. He's a winner. But there's a certain way. I always say it. Um, like, there's quarterbacks that can play great in the system. There are some quarterbacks that, bro, you can throw them on any team. Brady and, and Manning and those guys, big dog. You can throw them on any team right now in the NFL, 
give them three days to learn the system, and they're going to thrive in that system. But there's some guys that need to have the system based around them. And I think I think see I think seeing Russell, he needs a system based around him. He needs a quick. He needs a run game. He has to have the play action. He has to have that play action option. You can't sit Russ back and let him throw the ball 55 times in shotgun. That's not his game. That's not what we've seen him thrive on. So if I would keep him because I think Russ is still a top tier, uh, top 12 quarterback sure. in this league, but he's not. He's not a guy that can sit back. It's almost like the Josh Allen thing going on right now. Oh, Josh Allen struggled. Josh Allen balled yesterday. Josh Allen went crazy yesterday. Yeah. But he tried to do too much week one. He tried to be that pocket passer mm -hmm. and try to try to figure out everything and not just take it and throw it into the ground. Tua Tagovailoa is a great example. I yeah. love when Tua just throws the ball into the ground. I've seen it two weeks now. I saw it week one against the Chargers. I saw it this. He'll look around the field, see that, oh, they have – they got us. This – they – Bill Belichick last night got us, and he'll throw the ball into the ground and throw it out of bounds. Okay, let's live. It's second down. Let's live a third down. It's third down. We'll punt. Let every drive end in a kick, either a field goal, an extra point, or a punt, and you're going to live. Brady did it for years. Peyton did it for years. And so that's the thing Russ has to figure out, or the Broncos have to figure out, let's put Russ in a system that he can run. Let's see why we brought him in and give up all kind of money. They gave him what a half a billion dollars and they, <laughs> they gave up all these draft picks, bro, get Russ, put a defense around him and give him a running game. Some fast receivers that can run over routes like he had with, uh, in Seattle. And that's where he thrives. I, I hate when organizations try to fit a round peg in a square hole. That's not where he's going to be. That's not what he's going to do. Put a round peg in a round hole. And if I was the Denver Broncos, I would, I, I say I respect Russ. I think Russ is a extremely amazing quarterback, but you have to put him in the system and put him in the in the atmosphere when you saw him thrive before. That was the Legion of Boom. That was running the ball. That's when when it's funny we talked about Sean. That's when Sean was out there running yeah. people over. You gotta ha you you have to play old school football. Russ is an old school football type quarterback. You can't try to put him in one of these little new age systems and think he's gonna thrive. Yeah. So obviously you mentioned Tua. Um, I wonder about playing Belichick because I don't think anyone can really prepare for it. You went up against him, obviously, in Miami a handful of times with a bunch of different head coaches. What's one thing people don't realize about playing Bill Belichick? There's always going to be something that you don't see on film. And that's the thing. I bring it up about Andy Reid. I bring it up about um, – there was different – actually, uh, Mike, uh, uh, Kyle, <laughs> the Shanahan, the Shanahan yeah. crew, Daddy Anderson. There's always some. You can watch as much film as you want on the Bill Belichick team. You're going to walk out, and their defense is going to line up, and you're going to say, damn, there's seven defensive backs on the field. We didn't see that before. Like, he's going to throw something at you that you haven't yeah. seen because we're all based around analytical. And all the analytical stuff, that's what that's what people want to want to do now. When you face a Bill Belichick team, even last night, Tyreek didn't yeah. go off. Tyreek didn't, didn't go crazy against the New England Patriots because Belichick is going to say, we're going to stop you. And then we're going to stop this passing game. We're going to stop that, that same side motion they were running where they get Tyreek and Waddle, who already want, run four twos and four threes. They get mm -hmm. them moving. It's almost like arena league. They're running them out and get them full head of steam to break the line of scrimmage. And now a corner's in a bad situation because I can't jump on any routes when this guy's already running a 4-3 headed towards me before the ball snaps. 
So Raheem most most of what he had one twenty one thirty because they had to leave two safeties deep. So he's going to give up that run game, but you're not going to beat us with your best player, and that's what Bill Belichick does. And he's always going to throw wrinkles at you. You saw how the Dolphins came out early and had a lead, and then it slowed the second and third quarter. They didn't do much because Belichick's going to figure out. Belichick is a genius football coach. Him and Brady were a great combination because now Brady's one of the best, you know, if not the best of all time. But speaking of Belichick, there is always something that he's going to throw at you that you haven't seen before, that you haven't prepared for, and he can steal quarters. I would say that great coaches steal quarters. Belichick will steal quarters. When he figures out what you're doing, he'll steal a quarter or two from you while you're trying to figure out his adjustment to what you've done. Going against those great Patriots teams, was there a moment where you're just like, come on, how is this possible? Like, what was the what was the moment where they cooked you the most? I know you guys had some success there. I'm not gonna say it was it was a, it was a route every time. Like, was there a moment going against those teams where you're just like, come on, guys, how how is this happening? Man, I remember, and they beat us a lot. And Kevin Falk, uh, there was there was a lot of a lot of guys I know there. Sammy Morris, good friend of mine. There's a lot of guys that I played, and the AFC East is funny because Belichick he'll pick up a player. When they get cut from the Dolphins, he'll pick them up and pick their mind for two weeks, pay them, and then get rid of them. But, man, that old – was that 07 when they were undefeated? Yep. That 07 season with Moss. And they came down to Miami, bro. Moss was uncoverable. He had Brady. What, Brady had 50, 50 passing touchdowns that year? I think Moss had 23, something like that. Like, we would, we would disguise as long as we can. The, the, the thought is eight seconds. When you're a defensive guy, don't show your hand. Because you can't – if there's eight seconds left on the play clock, you can't adjust. So wait till eight seconds on the play clock until you show your hand as a safety. Show your hand if you're blitzing. Show your hand. I remember in 07 when they came to Miami, I think Moss had two touchdowns that day. I think he had 100-plus yards on like four receptions where somebody would cheat too early and Brady would see it and he'd look at Moss and I swear to goodness, bro, I remember one time, because I'm a middle linebacker, so I'm standing five yards away from Brady, and somebody showed their hand. It wasn't me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. But somebody showed their hand, and Brady figured out it was one-on-one. -on -one. And he looked over, and he literally smiled at Randy Moss. And that was one of Moss's touchdowns that game in 07. They, that, that was the time, like, and as the defensive, I called the plays and all, and I'm in front of the huddle, and I made all the adjustments. So if, you know, like, you play, you talk about, and I learned a lot from Zach Thomas. So, like, yep. he talked about Peyton Manning talked about a lot with him and Zach would go back and forth where he'd see a blitz, so then he'd check, so then Zach would check to cover two because now you think we're blitzing, so now we're going to go zone. And so you'd go back and forth. And it was, like, it's a time as a play caller where I sat there and I saw Brady look over at Moss and smile, and I knew that they knew what was going on, and I didn't have enough time to check. And I said, we're in trouble. I don't care who that corner was, bro. That corner could have been Deion Sanders. He was about to throw that ball as far and as long as he can throw it. And Randy Moss was going to set his feet in the end zone. And at 6'5", and having a 40-inch vertical, there's nothing anybody can do about it. If you go look at that at that game, there's a, there's a catch that Moss makes. There's three guys around him. Yep. He jumps up, catches the ball in the end zone, scores a touchdown. He doesn't even bring the ball. Down. He just holds it over his head. And everybody around him just falls down. And I'm running down the field, and, and I went to the sideline. I said, Coach, what would you like me to do in this situation? Pray? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to, to, to look to God to see what's going on here? But that was that was one of the times that Brady 
that Brady Moss combination was one of those games where you're just like, this is unfair of what they can do on this football field. There was a play. Didn't Cameron Morrell tear his ACL in one of those plays? One of his touchdowns, he tore his ACL. Ronaldo Hill got hurt yeah. that game. Cover Moss. Jason Allen, Jason Allen, we had him on Moss, and he wasn't prepared. I'll say being nice. He was not prepared to cover Moss. Jason Allen out of Tennessee, first-round pick. It was – I'm telling you, like we've I've played a lot of great players, but that combination, Brady Moss, it was you're just sitting there and you're on defense and you're cocky and you're on the sideline and you're, you know, you want to win this game and you have all that. Like I was talking about the competition stuff earlier. Bro, you're sitting there saying there is nobody on our team that can cover him. If right. they want to go up top and he gets his feet set, he's gonna jump up. He's six six. He raises his arm. It's already at nine feet. He has a forty inch vertical. Moss could jump. If Moss's peak jump was at like twelve feet, twelve and a half feet in the air, who can get to that high if he's planting his feet on the ground and jumping up that high? It's nothing you can do. Yeah, coach. Let's check hands. Let's go cover two. Let's go cover four. Let's run cover six and flood the zone. Okay, and then this dude that's already gigantic and fast. Is gonna jump up in the air and all three of the guys beneath him. And I know the play you're talking about, Cam Royal and them. It was three guys around him in the end zone. Cam fell towards ACL. Two other guys sat there and just watched him catch balls on him. It was nothing we can do. That was not not just for the Patriots, bro. That was one of the most defenseless the in my career, the most defenseless I felt as a defensive captain when Randy Moss and Tom Brady were on the field together. Unbelievable. Um, all right. So I, I'm not impressed with Brandon Staley through two games. And I'm curious, how does it, what does a, and I don't think it's happened in Los Angeles and I won't say it's happened. I'm not in that locker room. What does a coach losing the locker room look like? Like, can you see it on the field or do you have to be in the locker room? Like when it starts to go South, can you say, all right, this, this, these, these guys don't want to play for this guy. How do you, how do you pick up on this? Somebody who's been in the locker room. Oh, and Brandon Staley, um, I'm with you with the Chargers. And it's funny with those guys. They have a bunch of names. But are they performing? And are they performing because they're old? Or are they not Are they not performing because they're old and not performing because they don't want to play for the guy? I've seen it. Another thing. It's funny. 07. That was Cam Cameron. Yes. Cam, Cam Cameron lost the locker room in camp. We were in camp and we knew we're like, oh, he, he can't. This isn't a this isn't a leader of men. Cam Cameron was that he, he could call offenses and all that stuff, but we just knew he couldn't lead men like that. And the thing when you see it, you'll see it on the field because of the fact that guys will be so disconnected to the passion. Because right. guys, bro, I'll tell you this. Every single camp, especially when Joey Porter was with the Dolphins. So Peasy got to the Dolphins. We could sit back the third day of camp and there's a hundred guys on the team and we could pick out 50, 58 of the 53 guys are going to be on the roster after three days of camp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we would see who can really play ball. Like, guys aren't stupid at that level. Like, even earlier we talked about, like, the, the, the guys and the passion and having the Dion and all the rah-rah speeches. If you're in the NFL and you need a rah-rah speech to play, you're not going to be in the NFL that long. You have to go out here and perform. Like, it's mm -hmm. all about performance. So when players know that the coaches don't know what they're doing, it's an easy out for guys to say, you know, am I am I going to really <laughs> – how am I going to say it? 
am I going to really go get that extra massage? Am I going right. to really stay on my diet? Am I going to really do this? Because I we're never going to compete with this guy being our leader. So you're going to go out. You're going to still get your stats. You're going to still make your tackles. You're going to still stay in your gap. But am I going to go? Am I going to go the extra mile to prepare for this game? And that would be my question. I don't know about Brandon Staley. I don't know a lot of charges right now. But I wouldn't. I I don't know if he if he has the team going. I just know that they're very talented and they are underperforming. Khalil Mack and Bosa. Yeah. Have those guys. Week one, I was terrified to have Bosa and Khalil Mack coming off the edge with two his um um uh injury history and all that stuff. Yeah. And they did nothing. Two or two for four sixty six. So are those guys not performing or is, are they not motivated to perform with the organization? And that's another thing, too. When you question a coach, don't just question him, bro. you got to question the organization. How yeah. are they set up? Did they really put this guy in situations to succeed? Are they really structuring this entire roster and this entire coaching staff to succeed? Where I'll go back to Miami. To his first couple of years, Brian Flores never maximized his coaching staff. Chan Gailey was the head coach. Chan Gailey recruited me at a high school. Chan Gailey right. was 94 years old, and he's trying to run an offense in the NFL. So you 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 have to look at you have to look a lot deeper when you want to ask if a, if a coach has a team, if that team believes in that coach and believes in that staff. And that's that would be my question. Like I said, yeah. I don't know what's going on in LA. But I would I would go deeper if you want to question a coach and the motivation of his team to play hard. It's interesting. Um, all right, we do a thing called statute limitations theater. It's stories you can address now, or or, or things you can address now you couldn't in the past. We'll start here. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Why did Nick Saban fail as an NFL head coach? He uh, he missed on um, – he got in Dante Culpepper and not Drew Brees. And he couldn't bring in five-star guys. In Alabama, he can bring in five-star guys. You, get, you even see it now. He can't find a quarterback. They have three quarterbacks playing. When Nick Saban can recruit, who's a hell of a recruiter, when he can recruit and bring in and have five-star guys across the board, he's going to have the best athletes. Nick Saban is a genius X and O guy. He knows football. He he taught me so much. But when you have an X and O X and O guy like him, and you can bring in Jimmys and Joes, then you're good to go. That's that's the question. When he got to the NFL, you have a salary cap, and I think the salary cap issue is what hurt him. And they picked Drew Brees with Drew Brees with a bad arm, and Dante Culpepper with a bad knee. If we would have brought in Drew Brees that oh oh six year, 
-hmm. We would have really competed. We could have really won a Super Bowl. They chose – I remember I was sitting in the locker room, and I saw Drew come in one day, and I saw Dante come in one day. And me and Pep are friends to this day. Pep looks the part. Drew Brees was the better quarterback. He picked the wrong guy when they were trying to decide between a quarterback in 2006. You think he could have connected to the players and all of that stuff if he just picked the right quarterback? Everything else would have worked out? Yes. He, he, he was a dictator, and there's some dictators in the league right now. He was a dictator. He really didn't – people didn't really like him. One time I was in the bathroom with him, and – I asked him, how's your wife? Because you you can't really connect with Nick Saban. It's, it's Nick Saban. He really doesn't talk to players. I don't think he's called me Channing or Crowder. Two years I played for him, he called me Gator because he remembered when he was at LSU, I was in Florida, and he told me he drafted me because I whooped LSU's ass when they were 12-1 and one, they, that national championship year. So we're in the bathroom, and I say, I, I come, I go start to wash my hands. I look over to him. I said, I'm going to say something to you. Like, I got to say something to the head coach if I'm standing in the bathroom with him. And I said, Coach, how's Terry? And he turned to me and he said, she'll be a lot better if you can cover an effing back on third down. And it made me see how his mind works. I wasn't Channing Crowder. I was MLB1. I was a cog in the system. And so if you know that about a coach and you know that he doesn't want a personal relationship with you. He wants to coach you, and as soon as you tear your ACL or tear your Achilles, he's going to find the next guy to plug into his system and make it work. It can work in the league, but he's he's a very different guy. And I bring up, it's funny, I go right back to those new guys, the McDaniels, the uh, McVeighs, the Robert Salas and all. They have personal connections with players. Yeah never have a personal connection like that with any human being that plays for him because of the fact that he's coached so long he knows you're going to get traded you're going to get drafted if you're in college you're going to get hurt and he's going to try to find the next guy to be in your place and plug and plug and play Saban's a plug and play guy that's what he does uh got any good Bill Parcells stories Parcells um <laughs> the weirdest Parcells story <laughs> uh camp when Parcells takes over, was that 08? He brought Tony Sperano in and all yep. those guys. Oh, 2008, after the Owen, uh, 1-15 season. And uh, Parcells, he is a player's coach. Yeah. Like, sure. I, I end up reading, I, I read all of Lawrence Taylor's books. I end up yeah. talking to Lawrence about it. You know, met him one time. He is a player's coach, and he would always sit down and eat breakfast with us and talk to me and Jason Ferguson. They brought Jay Ferg in yeah. from Dallas. When they got there, they need they know they needed a, a a dog nose. So they brought a big nose and they dropped Jay Ferguson and me and Jay Ferg got cool. And so Jason Ferguson and Bill Parcells were very tight from Dallas. And so me and Jay Ferg would eat breakfast together and Parcells would sit down and talk to us. So I got kind of cool with Bill. And then one morning I was I came in early and I was in the uh in the steam room and then I went and got in the hot tub, cold tub, the contrast. <laughs> and it's 5.45 a.m., bro. Bill Parcells walks in, and I'm in the hot tub, and he walks in with his towel on. And I'm like, hey, what up, coach? Everybody still called him coach, even though he's president. What up, coach? Then he drops his towel, and he's butt naked. And he gets in the hot tub with me. And I'm uncomfortable, and I'm like, bro, I didn't say nothing to him. He's Bill Parcells. I'm just confident. He starts talking about stopping the power play. He starts talking about, hey, when you hit that guard, when he comes off the strong, and he wants to talk football with me. But all I can think about is that he's butt naked and the hot tub is bubbly 
and it's bubbling, but I know what's going on underneath this water. So like he's walking towards me and he's talking about, I got to hit the guard on the inside shoulder, but don't, don't shoot inside. Just, you know, hit him square, but always. And I'm, and so we're, he's kind of, he's following me around the hot tub because I'm running from him because I'm not comfortable with this butt naked grown man walking around after me. So we're, we're doing laps around the hot tub talking about how to stop the power play in 12 personnel. And it was just, or 21 personnel. It's funny. I know this, but it was, that, that, that was probably the funniest and the weirdest story about Bill was the hot tub thing. But yep. he, he really, he really cared about his players. He always told me, he's like, you'll be broke. You'll be broken four years. And I'm like, what? He's like, whenever you're tired, you'll be broken four years. I'm like, why would you say that? It was like, cause you don't, you don't, you don't know how to deal with money. But that started the conversation of mm. me asking him about, I was like, so I was, you know, so what should I do with my money? Got to invest. You got to do the market, S and P 500. And he really like gamed me on stuff as a, as a 26 year old, I'm 40 now, but as a 26 year old, yeah. I didn't know. And he was telling me stuff. He started the conversation by knowing that by saying I'm going to be broke in four years after I retire, that I'm going to now get kind of insecure or get in my feelings why he would say that. And I asked him questions back. And so then he would really game me and tell me what to do. And Parcells, I, you know what? It's funny you ask this. I would say Bill Parcells taught me a lot about finance, more about finances than football. And I think I still kind of follow the line of what he was telling me about investments and real estate and just so many different things even now. And he always said, you have to continue to make money after you play. And that's what I do with the media and the radio and with all that. Like my whole goal is to, I want to make more money off the field than I did on the field. Mm -hmm. And he put that in my mind, which is, it's funny. I've I actually never told that story before. It's funny. I think I, I think Bill Parcells taught me a lot more about money than he did football. Well, you're certainly on your way to make more money off the field than on the field. Shannon Crowder inside the NFL uh, Pivot Podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts in the world. Like the insight that you guys get is really incredible. And WK, and thanks so much for coming on. This is football, man. Man, anytime, bro. Let me know. I come on whenever you need me, bro. I thank awesome, y'all, man. That thank was fantastic, bro. It's all love, man. Thank you.